The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aikin. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Luciana Gerard. She's a registered counselor and narcissistic abuse specialist, and she will guide us through all the steps necessary to emotionally detach from a narcissist. Drawing from her personal experience of narcissistic abuse in relationships with parents, siblings, partners, and friends, along with her extensive study of academic research on narcissism, she is well equipped to help us navigate this journey of emotional detachment. In step one of this series, we focused on understanding what we seek in relationships with narcissists and how we can fulfill these needs ourselves. In step two, we explored the science of a narcissist. Today, we will delve into the trauma triangle and how it manifests in interactions with a narcissistic individual. Together with the previous and forthcoming steps, this third step will better equip us to emotionally detach from individuals displaying narcissistic traits. Before we start, I want to define the trauma triangle for those who have never heard of it. This was a new term for me as well, but after learning about it, interactions with the narcissistic person in my life became much easier to navigate because I was better able to identify the tactics they used and my role in these interactions. After this episode, you will be better equipped to navigate these draining and harmful interactions and permanently step out of the trauma triangle leading to your inner peace. So, what is the trauma triangle? It's a psychological and social model of human interaction and conflict developed by Stephen Karpman in 1968. The model consists of three roles. There is a victim, and this is a person who feels oppressed, helpless, hopeless, powerless, or ashamed, and often blames others for their circumstances. In narcissistic relationships, narcissists often portray themselves as victims to gain sympathy and attention. They manipulate others into feeling guilty, thereby controlling the relationship dynamic. It's crucial to remember that while anyone can experience vulnerability or hardship, within the trauma triangle, the victim role is a manipulative strategy, not a reflection of actual victimization. Then we have the rescuer role, and this is a person who strives to help or fix the victim even when their help isn't asked for or needed. They often need to feel valued and important, fulfilling this by being a savior or caretaker. In narcissistic relationships, the other party often assumes the role of rescuer, striving to solve problems that the narcissist has created or exaggerated. The narcissist relies on the rescuer to validate their victim role, maintain their self-esteem and manage their life's practicalities. This can lead to an exhausting cycle for the rescuer, who may never feel appreciated and may eventually feel drained and exploited. Then we have the persecutor, and this is an individual who is controlling, blaming, critical, oppressive, angry, rigid and superior. Narcissists often assume the persecutor role, maintaining control and superiority in the relationship by belittling or undermining the other person. 
They often oscillate between the victim and persecutor roles, using their perceived victimhood to justify their oppressive behaviors. And these roles, they are fluid and people can switch between them even within a single interaction. The trauma triangle model suggests that we can become entrapped in these roles due to our past experiences and learned behaviors leading to negative interaction patterns. And so this trauma triangle, it often manifests in toxic relationships involving narcissistic individuals. And one of the keys to breaking free from the trauma triangle is recognizing these dynamics and refusing to participate in them. And to aid in identifying these dynamics, Luciana Gerard will guide us through various practical examples and scenarios where the trauma triangle is evident with a narcissist. Let's dive right in. So today we're going to talk about the drama triangle um, and we'll, yes, we'll really look into that and the, the roles within the drama triangle um, and just hopefully that so that people can spot this in their own uh, dynamic mm. so they can, yeah, they, it's just easier to see the situation then once you know about this drama triangle. So our last one was looking at um, narcissistic traits and the effect it has on us. And a lot of people I hear in a lot of, you know, from my clients all the time that we are always rescuing, rescuing the situation. We're trying to help them. We're trying to fix them. Um, and that seems to be quite a natural role for many people who are usually connected with narcissistic people. So it's kind of the perfect dynamic in many ways to have, for example, a narcissistic person with an empath. Um, because the empath often is a very good rescuer as well. So um, my first question really is, after last time's podcast, um, is, you know, did, did you feel that you were in the rescuer mode? Is that, that is that your position in your relationship with the narcissistic person? Um, so, you know, is it is it in you that you want to help them or change them or fix them? Um, little things, you know, little changes just seem so obvious and so small. And if I just point out their errors, that they'll be able to change. Um, you know, that's how a non-narcissistic individual would act. But of course, not a narcissistic individual. Uh, if somebody points out a narcissistic person's errors, they don't. They don't want to hear it. It's too much of a threat. Um, so they'll usually be aggressive and put you down and everything else. Um, so yeah, so the rescue, so the, I'll go on to the drama triangle then. You'll see in the drama triangle, the position of the rescuer. So the rescuer is the person who usually fixes things um, calms everybody down um, enables um, the narcissistic person as well. Um, just the, the sort of the peacekeeper and everything's all fine. It's all going to be okay. Everybody stay calm. So often if somebody's trying to have an argument, for example, the rescuer will jump in knowing that there's about to be an argument. So to save any conflict from happening, um, the rescuer will jump in and change the subject or be a bit of a funny clown um, to try and take away the tension. Um, they'll just, yeah, just to distract away from the conflict. Um, so, and like I say, that narcissistic people are very, very, very good at keeping this drama triangle dynamic alive. Um, so they they often go 
from persecutor to victim to persecutor to victim so that they keep that keeps you in rescuer position all the time so the persecutor at the top of the triangle um is is the person you know who does all the shouting and the blaming the criticizing and they're usually quite aggressive um you know why didn't you do, do this and it's your fault you should have done that the usual stuff you know so um and yeah if you if you happen to be on the other side of that getting all this you can you can either feel like a victim because this person is shouting down at you but also you can also fluctuate between victim and rescuer so there's a sort of innate instinct in us that we want to try and help that person calm down for their own good and for your own good you know so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mix um rescuing and being in victim mode while this persecution is happening so does that make sense yeah, yeah yeah and then like i was thinking you at some point you said that not because narcissist uh, go between persecutor and victim it often forces you to stay in the rescuer mode but then i'm like thinking if there's always like three roles that sometimes if they do go to the victim mode uh and then you go for example you jump to the persecutor role for example because you are angry because of the unjust behavior towards you but the narcissist really jumps to the rescuer mode right they usually stay in the victim mode they are yes they i don't a, a narcissistic person wouldn't go into rescuing mode they would they usually go from persecutor to victim and then back to prep that's the only sort of two rules in that dynamic that they can do they certainly wouldn't rescue they wouldn't try to help the other person would they because mm. they're all about getting their own needs met so they wouldn't even be aware of the other person struggling or needing some help they are only focused on themselves and what they need mm. so usually well yeah usually they're they're in persecutor you should do this and criticizing and blaming and shouting and making a big scene and then if that doesn't work then they have to almost lower themselves okay that's not working so i'm going to go into victim mode and oh that's it you just don't love me anymore you don't care about me how could you be so horrible to me and that this is where they often start projecting their stuff so they'll call you the selfish oh you're so selfish you only think about yourself and mm -hmm. um, you never think about me at all you know that's them being poor me poor me the whole world's against me and you're being against me as well because you're not complying with what i want basically mm. so yeah and yes sometimes when they do go into victim mode and you are you then feel in rescuer mode but you can also be pushed into the persecuting mode mm. Because it's annoying when when you've told them all along, if you just did this, then the whole situation the whole situation would be fine. But they're so stubborn, they won't, of course, listen. So you do sometimes lose your stuff and you know go mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So another thing is that they will also, even if you're not in persecutor mode, but you're trying to say to them to help them they will judge that as you being in persecutor mode. So they'll judge 
that you are being horrible to them because you're, for example, you're suggesting, oh, why don't you try this? They can, they'll take that as, as though you're criticizing them, but you haven't been criticizing them. You've just been trying to help them, mm. you know? But of course, if you tip into the, well, why don't you try that? Then, oh, you're criticizing me and you hate me. And so they will perceive it as you being in the persecutor mode. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Honestly, it's crazy. It is. <laughs> I have yeah. a sore head even talking about this. Honestly, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like I like this is where the walking on eggshells comes from. Like because you just you have to be so careful what do you say to them, and they take almost everything personally because they are so fragile inside and like. Yeah, just it's so so exhausting. I can believe it. It is, and that, and that's the thing. So if you if you're you know accidentally criticize or you say something, they take that as being criticism. So they're assuming you're in, in victim uh, in persecutor role. That's them then being even more of a victim, which again plays on you even more. Oh, now you're being really horrible to me. You're making it even worse for poor 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 me. So then that takes you back into rescuer. So it's it's like having a string attached to each side of your heart, isn't it? Just the, the more you try to help, the more you're making me a victim and the more you have to come and rescue me again. It's just like a never ending cycle. <laughs> okay, what about, I don't know if you go into this uh, later, but now, immediately what came to my mind is when you said that this is never-ending cycle uh, and seems to be that even if you try to go to for example this rescuer mode and uh, they just judge it as that you are persecutor what role outside of this like i know this is drama triangle so like there there is three roles but is there some other role that could diffuse this conflict and situation well, this is the, the thing. Mm -hmm. I think the only way to get out of the drama triangle is to remove them, to remove yourself from the drama triangle. That's it. And how can we do that? By not assuming any of those rules. <laughs> so you just either leave the room, the situation or cry rock. Yes, exactly. But what you try not to do, well, first be aware, oh gosh, I'm rescu I'm in the rescuer role again. <laughs> and then right, stop rescuing because it's not going to help him or help her or help them. It's not going to help anybody. So try not to rescue. There's no point, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and if you can see them being in victim mode, um, just acknowledge to yourself, oh, they're in victim mode. So they're wanting need to rescue them you know it's just being aware of all of this and once the thing is once you can see it then you can see it in basically every dynamic that you're in yeah you it with even just having a chat with somebody that you just meet on the street you can see it happening all the time yeah yeah so this is not just kind of this is like kind of a general thing that in interactions with people, people tend to unconsciously take different roles. Is that what you are saying? Yes, but especially in a narcissistic dynamic, this uh, drama triangle just works perfection. 
mm. as a narcissistic person, like I say, they always, because this is them trying to manipulate. So the manipulative rules are the persecutor and victim. Mm, so rules that they can manipulate you into being rescuer. Yeah. So how do you, I don't know, is this impossible question to answer, but you may, Every time someone mentions like, uh, yeah, they do this to manipulate, it sounds very intentional to me. So are they like how aware of kind of this, these roles? That well, they... the question that nobody mm -hmm. knows, do we? We don't know. We can't yeah. literally go, you know, hack into their heads and go, right, you know, is there a part for intention here? And what, you know, mm -hmm. they, do they know what they're doing? We don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. But again, I always go back to them, their eyes. I have seen in their eyes when they know exactly what they're doing, <laughs> you know, not all the time, but sometimes I think, yeah, you know what you're doing. You know yeah. what, you're, what you're trying to get out of this. Yeah. They won't be aware of Cartman's drama triangle, of course, and they probably aren't aware of the depths of what they're doing, but at yeah. some level, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and if they are driven by, I need to, get whatever I want, I need to meet this need. And then they just keep trying different tactics, like first the persecutor and then the victim. That is we're pretty intentional trying to get there. Like that sounds pretty intentional that they are just trying to in whatever means necessary to get their meets net. So mm -hmm. I don't know, do we need to, you know, know anything else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same with young children, isn't it? Um, you know, a, a toddler, you know, I want a biscuit, I want a biscuit, I want a biscuit, shouting and screaming in the middle of the supermarket, you know, I want a biscuit. And then, of course, mum says, no, you can't have a biscuit. And they try shouting, that doesn't work. And then eventually they're crying and poor me, poor me, I, you know, I'm a starving child. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so young children do it too. You know, of course, they're not aware of what they're doing. They're just trying to get their needs met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but i just think i just think this triangle is great because once you can see it and understand it then you can see it all around and it just helps mm. it helps you to understand what position of the triangle you are in yeah you know? yeah and then so you have can... like more control of how you can react and it probably makes it easier to restrain yourself in hopefully mm. yeah just understanding and that yes like i said earlier about getting out of the triangle is like you said you know gray rock um or just leaving the room leaving mm -hmm. the whole thing um but ideally of course because once yeah once you get hooked it's about being hooked in again once you're hooked into being the rescuer um then that's you hooked in and it's a bit more difficult to leave um, whereas if you are aware of, ah, they're being a victim to try and hook me in, then it's easier not to be the rescuer and it's easier just to leave the situation before it gets even worse. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. So I have a few examples just so that people can understand this in, in normal day-to-day -day life. Mm, great. So I just have a few examples of a narcissistic person being in persecutor mode um so i was going to say as well if if you've been raised by narcissistic parents or caregivers then the chances are that you've been raised to be the the rescuer in the family dynamic mm. 
So it probably comes very natural to you just to rescue the whole situation. Um, and that's maybe how you are with people in general, just to help everybody. Um, however, if helping somebody is to your own detriment, then that's not right. Because people say to me, well, what's the difference between helping somebody and then manipulating me? <laughs> and that is it. If, of course, we all want to help somebody else, that's lovely, that's good. But if we're, if in order to help somebody, we have to miss out on something or lose something, or it's just, it's just bad for us, then that's usually a sign that we're being manipulated. Mm. So I'll say a few examples of this to make that a bit more clear. So in the persecuted days, they shout, vent their anger, have rage, put you down, criticize, humiliate you is a good one for narcissistic people. Um, steely cold eyes is a thing I hear about all the time um, and of course they can be physical um, and psychologically abusive so the persecutor then this is just the first example mm. so the narcissistic person in persecutor mode wants to go to the cinema on Saturday evening but you have already got plans for your friend's birthday party or your graduation or family wedding something pretty big mm-hmm the narcissistic person gets very, very angry when you say that you can't go and continues shouting at you. You're so selfish. You just don't care. You don't love me. You never consider anybody else but yourself, um, etc. Until you say, okay, okay, I'll just go to the cinema with you. Um, but then, of course, you go to the cinema and you spend the whole evening feeling really resentful and angry mm. at, as a victim. So by the end of the evening, you come out as being victim because you have you have been victim. You've lost out on your birthday party or graduation or wedding, whatever, and you're the victim because you've had to sit through this film that you don't want to see or whatever. Um, you know, so yeah, mm, yeah. So in yeah, so in that case, just to kind of wrap it up, the narcissist was very of obviously the perpetrator and first you rescue the situation by agreeing and then jump into the victim because obviously anyone would i mean it's very natural to feel resentful and angry and irritated when you have to miss out on your stuff just to do something that someone else wants and yeah and especially something important I think most, you know, non-narcissistic people would say, oh, no, of course you go to your birthday party. That's okay. We can go to the cinema the next day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, um, yeah. It's, you know, if, if you were to explain to me, oh, no, I can't do that because I've got this. Well, okay, then. I would respect mm. that and that's okay. Mm. You know? And in this same situation, the narcissist could have made you to rescue the situation also by going into victim mode let's say that you didn't give in to the perpetrator thing and or that they first start with victim role like saying you know that i don't know that if you don't come like i i have i have never been into movies and now this only movie goes that i want to and now this triggers all my fears of i don't know being alone yes i've I've got a few so i'm just going to do a few examples of persecutor 
And then I've got uh, a few examples similar to what you've just said. Okay, okay, okay. Victim. <laughs> okay, okay. Then, then let's move on. So I, I thought, can yeah, get great. Their, <laughs> people can get their tissues ready to cry about all the sob stories when they're victims, I tell you. <laughs> get your tissues ready. <laughs> okay, so the next um, uh, example is when the narcissistic person as persecutor gets really, really angry if you win a game or you beat them in a test, or you pass your driving test first, that's something that they've that you do that you know, you have to let them win in the end, because you're just trying to avoid them just having an angry, rageful outburst. So um, yeah, so this is, I couldn't think of some specific, I could think of lots of things. But this is just, you know, in normal day to day life, you did this first, or you did this best, or you I don't know, you have a bigger whatever or a smaller whatever, anything, you know, mm -hmm. the narcissistic person will be really angry if you do bet they will perceive that as you doing it better than them. So and they usually shout and get angry and, you know, um just again blaming you and you're so horrible and mm -hmm. you've twisted it or you did that on purpose or you're cheating. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the answers before I did. Um, just to take it away from you and get rid of their anger. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I feel like it could be just something very simple as playing badminton with them or playing some sport with them. That's like uh, you know, you against them, and either they yeah persecutor that they are very aggressive, like by shouting and being angry. But I feel like um, wouldn't like being passive aggressive also be the persecutor because for example storming out throwing the you know i don't know the badminton thing i don't know yeah. how to call it racket, is, racket, racket yeah. yeah throwing that away and just you know go is it stomping around yeah you, stomping. yeah <laughs> stomping away and around and, and yeah. go <laughs> That is, even though that's not like shouting, that's passive aggressive and that's not like, that's not victim mode either. But, and that just creates a very uncomfortable atmosphere and you might want to avoid that. So you miss few, you know, that badminton thing. I don't know, There's many yeah. words that I don't know. Bad, what is the badminton thing, the small thing? The shuttlecock. Okay, that. Yeah, so that you miss that few times, so it drops on the on the ground just so that they can win. So, exactly. but you got to be careful if you do that because if they notice that you are not playing, you know, your best, there and they are like, like, what do you like? Why you are not playing your best against me? Because do you think like like. I don't know. Like, yes. Do you I, think I, that I'm only a child? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. You can't win. Because yeah. if you play normally and you do beat them, that will annoy them. But if you don't, then I, you know that's patronizing, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're treating them like a child. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So avoid games of Monopoly and chess and all of that with narcissistic people. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Don't That's, do that. Uh, okay, so the next example then is uh, when you tell the narcissistic person that you've wanted to start, for example, you want to start a new course in rocket science or a new activity, you want to start doing karate, you've got ideas for a new business or a new project or something, 
And of course, the to the narcissistic individual, that's a threat. So they immediately have to put it all down. So they'll start criticizing it. Oh, that's rubbish. What a rubbish idea. They'll laugh at you, humiliate you, tell you that you've lost your mind, even thinking about such a ridiculous idea. Who do you think you are? That's a common one that I hear all the time. Who do you think you are thinking that you could manage that? So again, just that aggressive criticizing so that you do not do this fabulous thing that you've been wanting to do. It's just a way of keeping you down um, and keeping them up. Mm. Yeah, it's so sad. Okay, the next example is, oh yes, I see it. So when the narcissistic person has lost, for example, their car keys, and they say, you were the person that last had the car, um, you must have lost the keys. Where if you put the keys, you know, and they just go into this shouting match. You're always so stupid. You never remember where you've left things. You're always losing things. And suddenly you're the, you're the one with the problem. So even though they have lost the car keys, it's your fault. You're just rubbish at everything and you always lose everything. And why can you never remember anything? You're always forgetting everything I say, blah, blah, blah. So that's them in persecutor mode. Um, so as, as rescuer, you, you know, you might start saying, oh no, it's all right. Everything's fine. We'll find them. It'll turn up. You're trying to sort of appease them and calm down the situation, but ultimately you will feel like the victim because they've just vented all their anger mm. at you and you're the one that's left. They, when they find the keys, they're often happy and they've forgotten all about it, but you're the one that's left for hours or days worrying about this and feeling bad and you know mm. it's upsetting if you've had somebody shouting at you yeah so you are left feeling like oh you know all these little things just chisel at your confidence day in day out you know it has an effect so right, i've got one more example of this um so this is the, the narcissistic person in persecutor mode when they want you to do something that you don't want to do and they just keep going on and on and on and on and on so they just won't they won't let you not do it <laughs> they just keep going on for hours and hours the whole day even for weeks on end just oh well if you just come with me and do this then we'd all be fine they just keep going on and on and on and on incessant um which eventually people just go, oh, I can't stand this. It's like torture. It's psychological torture. I can't stand this any longer. Yes, I'll come and do that with you. You know? So, and then again, you then you feel like the victim because you're doing something you didn't want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, makes, I, that makes me think that, yeah, there might be a time that in this drama triangle that both are in the persecutor mode like you are persecutor back because you're like no 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 i don't want you you can't do this to me you can't and then they are persecuting back and back but then eventually at some point the situation just has to resolve in some way that someone steps out to another role is that right i don't even see that they're both being in persecutor though because you mm. have the right that's your boundary i don't oh, want true. you know Come, you know, let's go to, I don't know. I can't think of anything. I want to go to the museum. 
let's go to the museum and you're saying no I don't I don't want to go to the museum that's not you persecuting them that's just you being honest I don't like museums I don't want to go and you have the right to say that and that's your boundary you know I don't like going to museums and that's that that's no big deal you know we're all different which is good um so you're just being honest you're just putting in your boundary I'm not I'm not going to go and do that but you're not preventing them from going mm. you know or you're not you're not sh- if you were shouting why are you always going to the museum you're always there you know are you having an affair with somebody at the museum or that's persecuting <laughs> uh, <laughs> simply okay. saying no thank you i don't want to go to the museum i hate mm. museums then that's okay <laughs> okay yeah, yeah makes makes sense yeah 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 so just even if you're if they keep saying oh just come to the museum and you're saying no i'm not gonna go oh please 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 and then you eventually go no i'm not going that's still not you persecuting. That's just you standing up for your boundaries. Mm. You know, because we have the right to say no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Okay, so that's the, the persecuting examples that I could mm-hmm. think of anyway. Um, so, and then oftentimes, of course, if, if that fails, then they go into victim mode poor me <laughs> so this involves as we all know they're acting like a child um you know they they do actually go into a childlike even their position their physical uh, what? features yes your sort of your expressions yeah your stature it sort of it goes into mm. child mode and maybe the shoulders are up a little bit maybe a little baby voice that sometimes they talk like this <laughs> really yeah just to get a bit of sympathy and a bit of empathy and you know um they often can feign illness as well like oh i think you know maybe i've got a really sore head i've probably got a brain tumor growing in my head this kind of thing you know um or oh i think i might be having a heart attack i've got a sore heart something like not just a normal cold but something big you know just to keep you <gasps> poised then mm. in that rescuing mode. Oh gosh, I better keep an eye on them in case they really do drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay, so victim. So the narcissistic person in victim mode, um, for a start, their whole life story. So this, ha- this often happens when you meet them to begin with that they'll give you the whole, you know, sorry tale of their childhood, how awful it was. Um, Or it could be something really horrific that happened to them a few years ago, had this really awful accident and that was terrible. And, you know, she left and they left and it was all just awful. Um, Or even, you know, last year, last month, last week, yesterday, there's always something horrific that's happened to them. So, and if they don't give you the whole childhood, saga when they first meet you you can bet your life it will come along at some point you know when some you know the terrible schooling or there will be all the i mean we all have tales like this but the way they do it they they are doing it in order to get sympathy and and attention whereas most of us when we're saying you know we say oh well yes you know my childhood wasn't great but hey, you know, this was, I don't know, this was, you sort of say the facts. Mm. Um, 
you know, and, and just explain that's what happened and, you know, you're okay now and it was okay. Whereas mm. the narcissistic person and victim, they will maybe bring it up when, when it suits them. Mm. If they have to bring it up to be a victim, then they'll bring it up then. Even if there's a big, huge audience, maybe that as well. They'll yeah. Like this, you know? Yeah, and I feel like maybe, well, uh, non-narcissistic people, they... Uh, yeah, they might tell you, yeah, of course, when we get close to someone, we probably usually go, you know, share some unfortunate situations. But it's not like we want to all the time talk about these topics because, um, well, narcissists, they use these tales to get the narcissistic supply, but non-narcissistic narcissistic people, they're probably like, yeah, I can tell you this, but like, it's not like this tale is being told over and over and over again. Like, it's just, you know, yeah, I can tell you, but let's not visit this topic like all the time because it's, yeah. usually it's uh, probably is also draining to yes. visit past traumatic experiences. So, yeah. yeah. That's a really good sign to me still if you've been, if you've spent some time with a narcissistic individual, is that afterwards you feel absolutely drained. So even if I meet somebody new, and I, when I go home and I feel really drained, that's my first sign. And I think, oh gosh. And then I think, were, were they quite narcissistic? Oh, well, they did talk about themselves the whole time. Oh, they didn't ask me any questions. Oh, yeah, you know, and then I think, oh gosh, it was, you know, because it's that's the first sign to me usually is that I'm absolutely drained afterwards. So, I don't know how we got onto that, but anyway, <laughs> I just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> Small side note. <laughs> so, okay, so the next example then is the narcissistic person in victim mode is, again, I've lost my phone or my keys or something really important. And sometimes they even go into, oh, I'm just so stupid. How could I have lost my phone again? I I always put it there and, you know, so it's that poor me, poor me, I'm so stupid, I can't even take care of myself. I need to be rescued. Um, so often you can leap in and saying, oh, well, you start suggesting, oh, well, did you check the, you know, your pocket? Did you leave it on your desk? Um, yes, and yeah, that's so that's them, they've won then because you're you're trying to help them and soothe them. If they're going really, if they're getting really, really angry, you're probably there trying to calm that. No, it's okay, we'll find it. It's almost like talking to a child again, a toddler, to try and calm their whole energy down. You know, so talking in a calm voice, like you do a child, it's all <laughs> gonna be okay, it's all gonna be fine. <laughs> mm. So first I was thinking like, this sounds kind of, Maybe, maybe like something that a non a non narcissistic person would also do, like, like I don't know. But are you like saying that narcissistic people often their kind of reaction to what is happening? It's it's like huge. It's like out of proportion. Like it's yeah. it's like now all of a sudden they are like the like the most stupid person who doesn't deserve to live just because they lost their keys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's said with the intention of getting some emotional supply. So I lose my keys. That's normal. I lose my keys and I swear sometimes and I can't believe it and I grrr. But I, you know, I hold it together. I find my keys and I can leave and that's okay. Hmm. 
you know, whereas a narcissistic person will really, it's like milking it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you understand what that means. Like just milking yeah. the situation to be in that victim or and really going over the top. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then maybe if you do not give any response back or you just quietly, yeah, I don't know, look at them trying to find the keys or, and then they are like, you don't care about me, why you don't yes. help me, why you don't say anything. <laughs> yes, and then they go into persecuting mode to get mm. that emotional supply that you're not giving them. Yeah. So this is them starting off in victim mode But if you don't comply, then they'll get angry, probably. Mm. You know, so it's a no-win situation. Mm. All of these situations are no-win. <laughs> <laughs> you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next victim mode, uh, narcissistic individual in victim mode. Is this is the thing about them being ill? Oh, I don't feel well. I think I've got cancer. I've got a brain tumor. They're more ill than normal people are. Um, and then I've heard this: if you leave me now, I might, you know, I might throw myself off the top of this building. I might cut my wrists. I've had that too. Um, yeah, basically, it's threatening. If you leave me just now, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, so that's what you think. Oh gosh, so you're actually too scared to leave because you don't know if they're going to do it or not. And they might actually do something, uh, like to actually show that they are like quote unquote serious. Like for example, if you are about to leave and they, I don't know, they rest a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Exactly. And then it's see, see, I've I've done this because you're going to leave me. That's why I've done this. I'm going to start slitting my wrist more. That's mm. them showing you. So, what about in that situation? I've heard should you just because that's awful. Like that's like that's awful. You really feel like you can't leave. Of course, yeah. So, what's your advice? What do you say to people who are put into these situations? I can't give any advice at all. I don't know. I don't know any better than anybody else. You just have to decide. You have to just go with what you need to do in that moment. You know, but most of us, you know, well, I don't know. I have been in that situation, honestly, and I've left the situation, but then I've been like having a nervous breakdown for the rest of the evening, worrying about them being dead. It's just awful, you know. There is no, there is no right or wrong answer to this, because mm. you again, they some of these narcissistic people will go to the nth degree to be right. So it might be that they really do slit their wrist just to just to be right and to prove to you that they were going, you know, they were going to do it. Yeah, I've heard those tragic stories as well. Yeah. I've heard some people. Um advised uh, that if you are in that situation you can leave but you can always call at least in some places and countries if you call the police so that should bring the kind of the message i don't know in in what what places but some places then if you call some someone and say that hey this person is about to do something to themselves then the authorities actually go and secure the situation but i don't know in is it 
is this different in depending on the country but kind of that way if you do want to do something uh that's kind of your part yeah if you want to do something but like at the same time we all are responsible for our own lives yeah i suppose you're right that would be the ideal thing to do i think is to phone the police or whoever um but yeah whether or not they turn up i don't know yeah like i yeah exactly i don't know about that how you know do they actually come if you do call that hey but mm. i have at least some person in one facebook group said that, that they did that when their narcissistic mother was you know threatening to do something to herself because they didn't comply then they did that and then the mother never did that again because the yeah. authorities actually came so she was right. like okay message received yeah. i can't do this <laughs> yeah i suppose the thing is to get out as soon as possible so the second they start even heading towards that threatening i'm gonna do this if you leave me just get out the door before they can take it any further that's that's good point yeah as well because when they first kind of threaten with that they might not be in that you know strong negative emotion where they their emotions actually drive them to do that exactly yeah but it's a it's a horrific situation to be in it really is awful awful mm. um yes so well another thing along with so with this similar tale the other thing that they can do is just say oh yeah just go then just leave just go and have your shopping trip or whatever leave me here on my own i'll be fine on my own with that like oh poor me sort of thing and and then of course you're left feeling guilty because you've left them on their own and they, they didn't want to be on their own for example you know which makes you feel that you don't care about them enough and it is, yeah it is mm, can ruin your day like whatever your plans you are having then you're like a little bit you leave li like in a little bit i don't know uh, irritated state or guilty state of mind and yeah. it affects and that's yeah that's exactly. makes you, you want to avoid that situation that. Yeah, it I makes you. I see that in you that you understand that situation. You've been there <laughs> with a mum, for example, saying, "If you leave me, just never." <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, re recent, but those situations haven't been happening in a while now. I've been very good in my boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, right. So then, I've only, I've only got a couple more. Uh, so the next one is um, when the narcissistic person in victim mode, they purposefully make the situation worse to prove that they're right or they're being a victim. Oh. This is just leading on from what we've been saying, really. So I was thinking of um, an old or an ill narcissistic person in hospital or in a care home, and they want you to be there with them 24-7. Um, so every time if you go to visit them in hospital, when you're wanting to leave or you're needing to leave, that's when they they suddenly making you feel guilty. Oh, just no, it's okay. Just go. If I if I die tonight, then that's okay. And you just go and have fun with yourself. And you know, it's all just putting guilt guilt on you because you're leaving them and they want your undivided attention. So, the second thing is then when you're leaving them at home. Um. And, or you're going out without the narcissistic person 
So this is when they have the, the petted lip. Um, oh yes, just go out, I'll be fine. And all the sarcastic comments, you know, um, just enjoy yourself and don't, no, don't give me another thought. Um, I'll just be sitting here, you know, all of this. I don't um, know. Oh, yeah, sorry, please. Oh, no, go on. I was just going to say that, like, just hearing these examples, they make me feel heavy. Like, I'm like, oh, like this horrible feeling comes and I almost feel like this victim mode is like worse than the perpetrator in some way. I, I feel, is it, maybe it's the guilt that it's makes, yeah, because it makes me like feel even like horrible when they are like, you know, being aggressive and in the persecutor mode, it's like, yeah, you can make, it can make me angry and that they are like, and like upset and sh like maybe in shock and like, uh, you know, maybe scared, but somehow the guilt, it's like when they evoke that emotion, it makes, it's really, you know, messes up with your head. <laughs> I feel like more the victim mode. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's why people, some people, of, of course, like without diminishing anyone's experiences, but some people have said that if they have been with, different types of narcissists that the covert so basically usually the very victimizing narcissist that that was even like the worst like or worse than for example you know a grandiose narcissist that the covert yeah. was just absolutely like horrible yeah i agree because that 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 guilt feeling going back that that stays with you for hours or days even and it's you just feel so bad it's a horrible feeling Mm -hmm. you know? And it's also something you can't often put your finger on what it is. You just feel really horrible, but you you don't. Sometimes you don't recognize that it's guilt. You're just not quite sure what's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, I and I feel to... like yeah, and I feel like there's a very, um, you know, huge contradictions going on in your uh, like inside of you because you might be a genuine empathic person who tries to you know even though you are dealing with a difficult person you are like you are you probably you might 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 not want anything actually bad to happen to them like it's just an unfortunate situation or you might be going through difficult times but like uh, yeah you might be like you know that at core you are a good person you don't want any harm to anyone else and uh, but then you are made to feel like you are doing something bad to someone else so there's this huge contradiction you are like yeah. sometimes might even make you question your very core that am i actually like am i am i myself delusional when i'm thinking exactly. that i'm a good person but i'm then leaving them to die in the hospital <laughs> you know yeah, yeah yeah a good person doesn't do that like yeah. you might be thinking i'm saying you know inside yeah, your yeah. head yeah and that guilt, it doesn't belong with you. It's not actually guilt. And this is the thing. Um, when you're feeling that guilt, it's because you haven't complied with what they want you to do. That's why you feel that guilt. So we naturally, we feel guilt if we've done something wrong. And in this case, we have done nothing wrong. We simply haven't complied with what they want us to do. So the, we, we've just been trained. This is usually coming from parents again. If parents are, and we're left with the guilt, it's because we haven't complied. So we shouldn't be feeling guilty, but because of our training, we do have that guilt. 
Mm. because we haven't complied but the truth is it's because we haven't complied with the narcissistic um wishes or desires um it's not because we've done anything wrong so we shouldn't have any guilt we shouldn't be feeling guilt it doesn't belong to us Mm -hmm. exactly and that's a really hard a hard one to to get around yeah so because you're right, you know cognitively, hang on, I've done nothing wrong, why the heck am I feeling guilty? <laughs> but it doesn't just go, even realising that it doesn't go, you need to sort of work through that with a counsellor, you know, um, mm-hmm. to really get it into your bones. No, this is just, I've had some, you know, um, bad training. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, I've heard of somebody um, who they left their husband mm-hmm. um who was narcissistic um and they were they didn't want her to go away uh, they were just going away for a night um and at the time they had um uh, a wound on their arm and uh, so the the person had said right that all the stuff is there if you need to you know um dress your wound again then the plaster here and the that's there and you know so you know what you're doing um, and off she went and when she returned the next day uh, the narcissist had actually um, bandaged it all wrong and had used his teeth to do it being the victim so he was completely and utterly trying to be this poor victim who had been abandoned for a whole night um, and he was, you know, of course, it was all a mess because he hadn't done it properly. And he was just doing it so that when they returned, they would just feel this tremendous guilt for not looking after him properly. Mm. It was awful. That to me was the absolute epitome <laughs> of being in victim mode. Yeah. You know? um, they, they literally put themselves in a, you know, in a worse position just to prove to you that you're being bad to them yeah and you should comply like you shouldn't yeah. leave them yeah so yes that was just awful okay now i'm going to get on to my last um example so this is when the narcissistic person in victim mode when they've actually been caught out <laughs> mm. um oh yes so yeah so if they've been caught out with something so say for example they're late so they'll provide like some victim tale as to what's happened and um, they'll just go on and on and on about what's happened and how bad it's all been and the victim, victim, I'm poor me, poor me, poor me. Until in the end, you land up apologising to them. <laughs> so it, it's their fault for being late. But after all this words and rubbish that they're saying and this sorry tale, then you land up saying, oh, yes, you're right, it is my fault. Oh, I'm sorry, you know. Um, so you'll end up taking the blame and apologizing, you know, um, which is just, again, ridiculous. <laughs> and at the end of that, when you look back, you think, oh, hang on. Why on earth was I just apologizing? That wasn't my fault at all. Yeah. Um, so then so. again, the rescuer comes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, and you leave being in a victim mode. So... That's it. They're my examples for today. <laughs> Hopefully that will um, go into some people's heads. <laughs> um, just these silly little examples that I've provided just now. 
hopefully people will be able to see oh yes that's what my partner does or my friend or whatever um and they can see ah so ask yourself where are you falling in this triangle are you always going in to rescue the situation um or maybe you're the victim just notice yourself where you are in this drama triangle mm. and see if you can and see if it makes a bit more sense yeah yeah thank you so much for the examples and explaining the mm-hmm. drama triangle it makes way more sense right now to mm-hmm. understand the interactions that someone might have with a narcissistic person yeah it just it fits perfectly to the narcissistic person because they can use this drama triangle to manipulate so it's perfect for the narcissist <laughs> unfortunately yeah yes (laughs) okay great okay i want to uh, thank everyone for listening to this episode we had a great great uh, topic today and uh, thank you Luciana so much for you know explaining this uh, drama triangle to us and giving all these examples thank you so much okay thank you If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.